Hey, before we get into our passage today, I wanted to talk to you personally about uh, something we've got going on this summer. As many of you know, our house groups have just ended, and every year when our house groups kind of end at the end of the school year, in the summer, we start this really amazing program that we call Renovation U, and we have over 100 adults taking classes in the summer. Now, if you're new to Renovation Church and you've never heard of Renovation U before, uh, Renovation U is where we offer eight to nine week free classes on the Bible and on theology. Uh, If you're not familiar with that word, theology is just the the study of God, where we basically just want to help you grow in your faith and grow in your knowledge of the Bible. So classes this year are going to start the week of June 7th. Uh, Normally, we offer classes in the basement of our ministry center or our offices, but because of COVID-19, our classes are going to be on Zoom this year. Now, I will tell you, if things continue to progress, if things get better and safer, uh, we'll move our classes in the middle of the summer even to the basement, but for now, we're at least going to start them uh, on Zoom. And let me tell you a little bit about each of our classes. So the very first class is called a First Steps. First Steps is where you can start diving into what the Bible has to say on the core beliefs of Christianity. Uh, This is great for you, those of you that are just exploring Christianity, or maybe you're new to your faith, or maybe you've just never studied your faith. The next class you'll see on there is Mining God's Word. Uh, That's going to teach you how to study and interpret the Bible. Next is Theology 101. You'll get to study subjects like the Trinity and creation and a ton about Jesus. Then you move into Theology 201. I'll teach you more about the Holy Spirit, spiritual gifts, what the Bible says about men and women in leadership and end times. And then this year, uh, we are offering Old Testament Survey 2, where you're going to learn about the middle third of the Old Testament uh, from the book of 1 Kings all the way to the book of Ecclesiastes. So you'll get some more details on this in announcements today, but I want to encourage you to sign up for a class. What else are you even doing this summer, right? (laughs) Sign up for a class. You can sign up through our Renovation Church app, or you can go to our website where you can find details about each of the different classes, what night of the week they're on, what time they're happening, and you can go to renovationchurch.org and you can sign up there as well. But I just wanted to spend a minute talking about this because I want you to love the Word of God. And this is such a great way for you to fan the flame again. If you've just been feeling disconnected from people, if you've been feeling discouraged by everything that's happening lately, this is the time to get in God's word and stay connected. And so, man, I just really hope that you make the decision to sign up for a class this summer. I know it will be a benefit to you. All right. You know, a few months ago, uh, one of my kids asked if we could get the Pixar movie up from the library. You've seen the movie, The House with the Balloons and such. And I said, no, I don't think we need to get it from the library. I am positive that we own it because I remember I actually used it as an illustration in a message like, I don't know, six years ago or something like that. And I said, I, I know that we own it, guys. So, so we just got to look for it. And we just tore our house apart, looking every logical place we thought it would be. And we just never found it. And so we kind of gave up on it. Well, a few months passed. And then this past week, I was looking for a book, and I kind of pulled the book out, and way back, tucked behind a bunch of other books, was the movie Up. And we finally found it, and so we celebrated by watching it. (laughs) Because when something's lost and you find it, you have to celebrate. And we're going to see that in our passage today. In fact, we are in one of the most famous passages, famous chapters, I should say, in the book of Luke, and that is Luke chapter 15, 
where we see three parables, the parable of the lost sheep, the parable of the lost coin, and the parable of the lost son. And we're going to look at the first two today. So as we open up this passage, why don't you just take a second, find a Bible, even if you need to pause this for a second. We want you to have the Word of God in front of you so you can study it as we read. And we are going to be in Luke chapter 15, starting right at verse 1. Here's what it says. It says, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Or, now he's going to move into the second parable. Or suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp? sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it. And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, rejoice with me, I have found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Okay, so we're told that all of these sinners, all of these people who really messed up their life, they're just gravitating, gravitating, that's actually a new word that I just made up right now. They're gravitating towards Jesus to hear his teachings. And the religious folks who think that they're better than everyone else, they are not excited about this. And so Jesus tells these uptight religious people a few parables to better teach them about the heart of God. And in the two parables we looked at today, I want you to notice three things about God's heart. So let's take a look at the first one. The first one is this, that people, people are valuable to God. See, the shepherd in this first parable represents God. God often refers to himself in the Old Testament as a shepherd. Jesus, in John chapter 10, calls himself the shepherd. And this shepherd has 100 sheep, but one of them is lost. Now, the shepherd acts kind of unexpectedly. Now, you, you, you might be familiar with this story, so maybe that doesn't feel like an unexpected action to you. But if you weren't familiar with it, you might expect him to make some sort of utilitarian statement. Like, you might expect him to say, like, well, if I left the 99, then I would put the 99 at risk. And so I'm just going to have to count that one lost sheep sort of as an acceptable loss to my flock. That's not what happens, right? No, he feels that the 99 are safe enough in that moment. And he's showing us, he's teaching us the immense value of each individual sheep by going after the lost sheep. Now, if that still feels odd to you, if that feels like, I don't even know if that's the right decision for a shepherd, I assure you that's because you're not understanding the immense value of just one sheep or one being, one person, as Jesus is trying to get across to us. You can think of it this way. Now, if you had four kids and one of your kids got lost, you wouldn't say, well, you know what? I still have three, so... I guess it's fine. <laughs> no, you would never react that way, right? Because your kids have so much immense value to you. And that's what Jesus wants you to see in this parable. It's not a parable about how many you have left, but it's a parable about the value of what was lost. And people, people are of immense value to God. 
And you, you see the same thing in the parable of the lost coin. Now, at first, I always feel like the parable of the lost coin doesn't make a lot of sense to modern-day Americans. Because we read the story and we're like, big deal. She lost a nickel. Just let it go, right? You lose some of you, find like a penny in your pocket at the end of the day. You're like, I think I'd rather just throw it away than find a place to put it, right? We just don't place value on coins. And so that's because we're reading our culture into the passage, right? By the way, if you sign up for Mining God's Word this summer, we'll teach you how to not do that when you read Scripture. But we can't read our own culture into the passage. We have to understand the culture of that day. In fact, if you look at your Bible, if you have it in front of you, there should be a little note, like a little letter by where it says 10 silver coins. Do you see that? Now follow the note for that letter and you'll see that it probably says something like, in the Greek, that it actually doesn't say 10 silver coins, it says 10 drachmas, and each of, a, of the drachmas would be worth a daily wage, one day's wages. Okay, so let's modernize this parable. Uh, a day's wages in modern-day Minnesota for the average person is right around 100 bucks or so. And so this woman, she hasn't just lost a nickel, she's lost what would be the equivalent of a $100 bill. But also realize she only had 10 of them. That was her entire savings, 10 $100 bills, $1,000. There are no banks at this time. She just had $1,000, 10 $100 bills, and she just lost one of them. And now you can start to feel the weight of the story better, and you can see the value that God wants you to see. Okay, there's more that God wants us to see about his heart. Let's look at the second thing. The second thing I want you to see about God's heart for the lost is this. God is relentlessly pursuing the lost. Okay, look at the end of the first four. Uh, we're told the shepherd is going to go after the lost sheep, and then what does it say? It says he's going to go after the lost sheep. I love these four words. Until he finds it. That's the heart of God. Until he finds it. See, it's sin, our sin, our mistakes, that separate us from God. That's why we're lost. It's not like God doesn't know where you are. We're lost in our connection to him because of our sin, but it's God's grace that brings us back to him. So when you repent, because that's the word that Jesus uses twice in this passage, when you repent, which is to say you're sorry and turn your life around to follow him, it's to believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for you and make him the savior of your life, your Lord and savior. When you repent, when you do that, you move from being lost to being found, from being blind to having sight. You get new, amazing life. But you also have to want to be rescued when the Savior finds you. Because he's a loving God. He's never going to force you to follow him. And unfortunately, there are too many sheep out there that when they're found and God starts moving in their lives, they say, you know what? I'm not really sure that I want to be with the flock. I'm not really sure I want to be with you. I think I'm just going to do this thing on my own. But I just want you to know that God is relentlessly pursuing you because he loves you. He's teaching the same thing in the parable of the coin. This woman is not gonna give up until she finds her lost coin. It's not gonna be easy to find a coin in her house. Again, we gotta step out of our culture when we picture these stories. You can't picture a woman looking for a coin in a two-story with a walkout, right? This is what we're talking about 2,000 years ago. She would have had a really small house, the dirt floor, 
Uh, she, she would have had walls that were really thick. There's no glass windows at, at this time. In fact, they're probably just little slits in the wall so fresh air could get in. In fact, I've been in homes that look exactly like this in the developing world. And one of the things I'll tell you about them is they are totally dark, even in the middle of the day. You can go to lunchtime and you can barely see a thing. So this woman trying to find a coin on a dirt floor in the dark is not going to be an easy thing, but she's going to keep looking until she finds it. And, and don't miss this. She's going to work hard to find it. It says she's going to light a lamp. It's going to improve her visibility. She's going to methodically sweep the whole house. She's going to keep searching until she finds it. And God, in the same way, is pursuing the lost. I, mean, I just pray that you understand this about God's heart. Because sometimes people picture God like, oh, he's up there, he's angry, he's mad, he's relentlessly pursuing the lost. How many of you have seen the movie of Finding Nemo? Maybe you've never seen it, or maybe it's been like 15 years or however long it came out. I should have looked that up, up beforehand. I think it came out like 17 years ago or something like that. 2003, that sounds right. It's probably not even close, but I'm totally going to look this up later. Okay. In Finding Nemo, it's about this clownfish, right? And he gets separated he gets lost, and his father sets out to find him. Well, eventually, the little fish Nemo, he's captured, and he's put in a, a fish tank at a dentist's office. You remember that part? And while he's in the fish tank, he starts thinking about his father, and he starts to just believe that he's never going to see his father again. And he starts to believe that his father has forgotten him. He's misunderstanding his father's heart. Well, then one day, this pelican named Nigel lands on the window of the dentist's office, and he begins to tell Nemo an amazing story. He says, Nemo, your father has been fighting the entire ocean looking for you. Nemo says, my father? He's like, oh, yeah, he's been battling sharks and jellyfish. And Nemo goes, my, my, my dad? My dad took on a shark? And the pelican says, I heard he took on three. And Nemo, you know, he's, he's dumbfounded. He says, three? And then Nigel says, you see, kid, after you were taken, your dad started swimming like a maniac. And he took on three sharks. He battled an entire jellyfish forest. And now he's riding a bunch of sea turtles on the East Australian current. And word is that he's headed this way right now to you in Sydney. And Nemo says, what a great dad. See, there's a reason that movies like this resonate so deeply within our souls. It's because the father heart of God is embedded in there. God is relentlessly chasing after his kids. That is the heart of God. If somebody else told you it was something else, it's not. This is the heart of God. Okay, there's one more key thing I think we can learn about his heart from these two parables, and it's this. This, meaning that the lost getting found, this is what God celebrates. Okay, look at verse 10 again. It says, in the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. So let me ask you a question, for those of you that read the Bible some, how often in scripture do you see God celebrating with the angels? Throwing a party, right? <laughs> Not that often, right? And so if we know, and if we want to know what God celebrates as a win, as important, it's this. 
This is incredibly, immensely important to God. It's us fulfilling the Great Commission and helping the lost get found. Right? We don't see God throwing a party just because you got a good education, you finished your degree, or you got a job, or because you're doing a fantastic job on becoming the best you. No, we see God celebrating when the lost get found. But it's like, it seems like we're exhausting all of our efforts as a society in our individual lives on all of these other types of things. Our whole lives seem to be centered around these questions of how do I become more successful? How do I become happier? But those aren't even the things that God is celebrating. We need to learn from what God chooses to celebrate, and he celebrates the lost being found. And if that's true, then that ought to be the main pursuit of our lives, bringing glory to God by helping lost people get found. And yet so often I find we barely even think about that, let alone do anything with it. It's like the story of the young man who was interviewing to be an usher at a fancy concert hall. And his job would essentially be to help people find their seat and you know, kind of direct the way, etc. And in the interview, the manager of the concert hall asked him, he said, uh, what would you do if a fire were to break out in the concert hall? And the young man answered, oh, oh, I mean, you wouldn't, you wouldn't have to worry about me. Don't worry about me. I'd be fine. <laughs> and unfortunately, I think that's how we often think of our Christian life. Say, so, well, what would you do if Jesus came back tomorrow and everyone was immediately assigned to heaven and hell? And it's like our initial gut response without thinking about it is to say, oh, you wouldn't have to worry about me. Don't worry about me. I'm going to be fine. I'm saved. I'm going to heaven. But that's, not, that's, not what God, that's not how God wants us to answer. It's not how God wants us to live. We are to be an usher. Our responsibility is to point the way for people. And we need to learn from the Father's heart. We as Christians need to learn from the Father's heart, from points one and two. We need to start to value people like God values people because there are people all around you that are lost. And if we understand how valuable they are, surely we will do something about the fire that is coming for so many of them. Value them. They are so precious to God. God loves them so much. He gave his life for them on the cross. Let them know that. And if we value them, then we will relentlessly pursue them like our Father in heaven does. We've got to understand those things first. And if you understand those things, then you'll imitate your Father in heaven. You'll imitate the shepherd. You will leave the 99. You'll begin to sacrifice your own endeavors, our own checklists, our own schedules, our own conveniences, and we'll go searching again. We'll turn on the light, like the woman in the lost coin parable. We'll start shining God's light to him. We'll begin to sweep the floor. We'll start to get serious again about sweeping out sin in our lives and sweeping out lukewarmness in our lives. And we'll keep searching and we'll keep praying until they come to Christ or until we breathe our last. That is our mission. And that is our mission because that is God's mission. Because that is the heart of God. And I pray that that becomes your heart too. Let me pray. Jesus, our hearts are so self-centered sometimes. We just ask for forgiveness in that. We ask that you help focus our hearts to be aligned with yours. Give us a passion for valuing the lost, for pursuing the lost, God, and may you lead more and more people around us to you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.